heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You know, I look at the uh, United States Constitution today as more or less a crutch uh, for the uh, political operatives that, uh, you know, you, you keep, you hear a lot of the times, both the Democrats and the Republicans, both actually, you'll see a lot of these political operatives say, well, you know, we got to check in with the Constitution. And then, of course, when they do that, they go directly and offend the American people and our, our founding documents. So what I'm suggesting right here is I don't think a lot of people are taking it terribly serious these days. It's sort of become an afterthought, uh, the, the entire thing about what the Constitution is and the Bill of Rights. It's, beca- it's become an afterthought to so many people like, yeah, oh, well, maybe we should check that document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know the one. Yeah, yeah. The one that. Right. Those those cats with the funny looking hair that they did back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one there. All right. So here we are here. Constitution Day, whether you're hearing this on America Out Loud Talk Radio, or you're hearing this on podcast uh, after the fact, you know, there's one day that is actually marked Constitution Day and it's September 17th uh, every year. And that's that's really been happening since 1870. So it's been a few years now, to say the least. And, and that is actually it's it's a holiday, but it's one that. Uh, well, by golly, I think if you polled most of most Americans, what percentage do you think would know where Constitution Constitution Day is and what day it is? How many you think? Yeah, well, it, it would be you could probably count it on one hand. I don't know that you'd get to the second hand as far as a percentage of people percentage. I'm talking now, not just uh, a count of people, you know. Um, but that's the sad reality of I think what we're seeing right now with the uh, with the Constitution, you know. I look at it this way. Every day should really be Constitution Day in our country. If you really think about how special it is and how unique this country is, but even more so, I'll tell you what would be I'm going to give you an idea right out of the gate here. What would make this even more special? Imagine if if the government decided to make this, I mean, close all the offices and make this really a big deal, like make it a big, big deal. Right. I mean, instead of just a passing thought like, yeah, what was that again? Yeah, that really wasn't anything. Right. But really close everything. Make it a big deal. Make it a really big national holiday. I mean, it is it, it does represent our entire country. Right. And uh, really celebrate it. Get out and do the parades. Make it something special. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? And that would uh, go a long way to reminding people about what this document is. You could see all kinds of things happen. Special studies, classes, unique events, uh, and parades down Main Street, USA. Constitution Day. Bing. I love it. Right? That's one way to do it. You know, when I started to think about doing this special programming for today, uh, you know, I I came up with a title, a working title. I always have a working title for these things. The U.S. Constitution, Today's Career Politicians and Ignorant Americans. Hmm. And I thought, well, that might be a little too harsh. I don't know if we really want to use that. But, you know, it does tell a story, though, doesn't it? It has a little bit of ring in the ear. Uh, What we need to do today is educate folks so we're educated Americans and not ignorant, of course. Uh, The importance of that, I I can't 
can't can't speak loud enough for what that really means. Uh, so again, on America Out Loud Talk Radio, we have several hours here where we're talking about the Constitution today. And again, all of our programming, as always, is available on podcast networks worldwide. So you you catch it all there as well. I mean, we're on a ton of networks. So just look for America Out Loud Podcast Network and you'll find it. And of course, always back at AmericaOutloud.com. Now, we've got a couple of unique voices we're going to have today. I think two of the smartest guys that surely I know or hang with on the Constitution. Now, let me tell you who they are right now, and then I want to get into a couple of case studies and really help talk about this. Now, I want you to pay attention out there to this, and I want you to help push this out there, heavy promote. This is important. Again, how important? I just said to you, it needs to be a national celebrated holiday uh, where we, cl- and, and actually, when I say that, I mean close everything, close the schools close all the you know government offices. That's when I parade down Main Street. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about here, okay? All right? So to be clear, you know. So today joining us, author and speaker, Paul Engel. Uh, he spent more than 20 years studying and teaching both the Bible and the U.S. Constitution. I always love that. I get a, I get a ring in my ear when I say that because those are the two most important documents, uh, period known to mankind right there. You, you've got them both right there, one and two or two and one or however you want to classify them, right? You can hear him daily on his talk radio show right here on America Out Loud, 4 p.m. weekdays, the Constitution Study. And Paul's got a uh, Constitution Study book. Get the links for that at America Out Loud. Also joining us, Tim Alders. This is two of the smartest guys on the Constitution, again, I know. And Tim, well, Tim's been a radio host for over 13 years, uh, starting with a show called Buy Back America. Uh, it was all about saving Main Street USA. He currently is the host of the Disciples of Liberty, uh, 7 p.m. weekdays here on America Out Loud. Uh, you know, over the years in talking to Tim, he was with one of the oldest, most unique radio stations out of Utah, K- K-Talk. And that's where I met Tim many, many years ago. Uh, he was uh, well, we always kind of referred to him as Mr. Constitution uh, because he he used it as a well, <laughs> as we were just talking about, almost as a Bible. Right? Isn't that the way you can you can move those words around the Constitution and the Bible? Right? Or the Constitution might be your Bible or maybe the Bible's your Constitution. It kind of works both ways, doesn't it? Um, so. Uh, it's good to have both Paul and Tim. And I've been actually wanting to have these both guys on. This is the first time they've ever been on program together. So I think we're going to uh, have uh, some interesting talk here. I want to start off now with a couple of case studies and talk to you all about what's going on in current day uh, events here. And then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some some of the origins and some of the uh, troubles we're having with people that uh, uh really are abusing the Constitution to the likes that many people think it's becoming more and more relevant by the hour. Uh, And that is a bad sign, my friends, because that means we're deteriorating as a country uh, more than you could ever expect. Uh, Now, let me, I want to talk about Milley first and what's going on with uh, General Mark Milley, okay? So follow me on the details of this so we're all uh, in the know, and then we'll get to Tim and Paul to uh, opine on what they think about this. But uh, former acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, who led the Pentagon from just after the 2020 election through about Inauguration Day, he said, and I quote, I did not and would not ever authorize Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, to have secret calls 
with his Chinese counterpart. So he was describing the allegations here as disgraceful and unprecedented act of insubordination. Yeah, we call that treason or a coup d'etat in some cases, right? And he called for him to resign immediately. But of course that hasn't happened. And of course the current administration, the Biden administration came out and patted Milley on the back naturally. Because anytime one political party can kick the other one in the backside, well, that's a compliment. They like those kind of people. So yeah, yeah, good job, good job, my friend, uh, General Mark Milley, my boy. Of course, that's for the moment. But soon enough, they'll probably throw Millie under the bus and run him over a few times, my guess is. But right now, he is that a boy, that a boy, because he's going after the big bad Trump, right? So it, and Millie goes on to say the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the highest ranking military officer whose sole role is providing military specific advice to the president and by law is prohibited from exercising executive authority to command forces. This is what Miller says now. He said, the chain of command runs from the president to the secretary of defense, not through the chairman. It makes sense, right? Uh, he went on to reference the allegations. And all these allegations, by the way, are in the book called Peril. Peril. <laughs> you got to love it. I'll, don't you love these books? We're always trying. This, this one here now is, and, and brace yourself. I'm sure many of you already know this. The uh, reporters from the Washington Post, that should give you the woman fuzzy right away there. Uh, Bob Woodward. Uh, Bob has really got his uh, hands in the ointment these days, doesn't he? And Robert Costa is uh, the two cats there that wrote the peril books. Not, it's not even out yet as we speak here. Um, that uh, The whole idea is that Millie made two secret phone calls, both to the Chinese, his Chinese counterpart of the People's Liberation Army. We call that the CCP. We call that the Communist Chinese Party, or we call that the makers of the Wuhan China virus or the biological weapon that they're circulating around the world. Not exactly the warm and fuzzy, you know. And the book alleges that the phone calls took place, again, uh, just to put in perspective timeline, prior to the 2020 presidential election on October 30th, specifically 2020, and then two days after the January 6th Capitol riot uh, on the 8th of January. So that kind of puts it in context in your mind now, okay? All right. And the book claims that he contacted Lee after he had reviewed intelligence that suggested Chinese officials believe, listen to this now, the United States was planning an attack that we were planning an attack, the, the U.S. on China. I mean, this is, this is off the charts here, amid military exercises in the South China Seas. So somehow we were planning an attack against China. This, this is beyond anything you could imagine. And the authors of the book also claim Milley contacted uh, the, the Chinese counterpart again a second time to reassure him that the U.S. would not make any type of advances or attack and, and he said, we are 100% steady. Everything's fine, but democracy can be sloppy sometimes. And uh, that was his response. Now, here's what's, uh, to, to wrap that up here, to, he, 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 I understand that about 15 people were present for the calls. This is what I've, I've gathered or heard uh, that with full knowledge of, of then Defense Secretary Mark Esper uh, and uh, the acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller, which I already read to you, which he denies naturally here. So that's what we're dealing with there. And uh, and then it gets a little more dicey after that. Uh, some interesting things that transpired in our republic. But let me bring on right now. Let's go right at this now. Tim Alders, let's bring you on right to the hot mic, please, now, and talk about 
Um, this whole Milley thing, uh, what you see, uh, how it relates to our Constitution, and, uh, you know, what is this really? I mean, what do you, what, what's the bottom line on this, Tim? The bottom line is, if this proves out to be the case, and I say proves out to be the case, I have no doubt that this happened. But uh, evidence, uh, you know, preponderance of evidence is needed in America. But if this proves out to be true, then Milley committed treason to the United States. He has no authority to do this. And if it was true that America was plotting an attack on China and he called the Chinese to warn them about it, the man should be strung up. I mean, honestly, this is just another Democratic move by the administration who has their puppet president to lower our influence in the international world and give China more power uh, internationally because Biden is a Chinese puppet. And it's just, it's just shocking to me how so many Americans can witness and watch these things happen and just shake it off like it's right. okay to have one of the highest military officers in America making secretive calls to a former known enemy of the United States. You know, it makes me wonder why we left all the weapons in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, why we're giving technology to China through the Taliban. Mm. It's, this is all a plot to weaken America for a one world government takeover that constitutionalists and conservatives and Christians and evangelicals have been warning the people would happen for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, the plot to weaken America. I like that actually, because that, that says a lot there, you know, Tim, do you think that, yeah, I love the way you reference if we were planning an attack on China, if, 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 well, that, you know, you just don't do that. But do you think that was even in the remote possibilities where our president of this administration at the end of that first term was, do you think there's any sense to the fact that we were legitimately planning a war against China? No, no, absolutely not. Now, there is no secret that President Trump does not trust China. Uh, president Trump, since I interviewed him back in 2010, has always warned Americans about the Chinese economic takeover. I have no doubt that America might have been planning uh, stronger sanctions, stronger tariffs uh, because of the Chinese virus. But a military conflict, no conservative Trump would not have even considered starting World War III. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's a great context now to put it in. So no matter if the, what we're saying here now, friends, whether the China story was true or not is what Tim said. I mean, you just don't do that. I mean, this is not a third world banana republic, although we're starting to look and smell like that every day. But, you know, it goes against everything. And it's another big mark. And again, that, and let's understand one other thing. That's provided all these claims are true in the book, which again, as Tim says, they probably are. Uh, certainly, we're not seeing a lot of denying coming from those folks there. They're you know, just kind of going along with a gag at this point. Uh, let me go a little further now with this, and we'll bring in Paul to add a little bit to this. And here's the thing. Uh, 
there was another story I seen following up on this, I think is interesting and relevant. Uh, the Atlantic, you know what I'm speaking about, the Atlantic, uh, their contributor, uh, Tom Nichols. So there was a circulating story on tweets about his grasp of the Constitution as being questioned after he tweeted the founding document was not designed to cope with an insane president following a bombshell claim about chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Milley. Now, I find this fascinating as hell, people, because this is what the left does a lot. And now they're back to saying, well, you know, uh, as, as I just say to you, like, OK, so it's OK. You can bend or break the rules if this is really happening. And it's always it, it, the, the rules are always breakable with the left when they meet a narrative or an objective they're looking for. You see, so it goes on to say in the new book, The Washington Post, uh, Bob Woodward, Robert Costas, I told you, alleged Milley called the two Chinese officials uh, and that former President Donald Trump's uh, back out of fear that he would start a nuclear war, that he was going to start a nuclear war. As I was just saying to Tim, do you think that really would, would go to war with China? People, anybody in their right mind would know we're not going to uh, uh, push a war with China. I mean, there, there would have to be some real circumstances there. OK, I mean, come on, let's let's be real. You're talking about a cataclysmic event here. You see, you, you don't want to be dealing with that. Uh, and so the Milley uh, spokesman defended the calls as vital. So here you are, Tim, as you and I were just saying that. It, so they didn't deny it. His spokespeople said, well, the calls were vital to avoid an unintended consequences or a conflict. Uh, and then, of course, but what's interesting about this is the media puppets. And that's what, Paul, I want to get your opine on some of these media puppets I find quite fascinating. And this is what I'm talking about. It's an it's a, a important part to the story, how the media continues to play along all the time. Um, so the tweet from Nichols was this. He said the Constitution was not designed to cope concurrently with an insane president and a political party that could block action against that president merely because it represents enough people who don't give a shit that the president is insane. So that was his tweet word for word that I read there. And that's why I read the exact words so you could hear it. And of course, now people were questioning Nichols because they were talking, well, this is a military or political group that rules this. Observers were saying this is like he's supporting a military or a coup, political group that rules a country, often in the wake of a coup d'etat. So Nichols later added the real Milley story, millions of Americans knowing that Donald Trump is so insane and dangerous that the most senior military office of the United States had to reassure even our enemies that were not falling apart would hand him the nuclear codes all over again. So now he's making fun of all of America. Listen, listen this really rubs me. He's saying millions of Americans knowing that Trump is insane and dangerous and that the most senior military office of the U.S. had to reassure even our enemies that were not falling apart would hand him the nuclear codes all over again. That should irritate the hell out of everybody. Now he's insulting the entire country. This uh, uh, Nichols cat should be left on the unemployment line somewhere. Nobody should read his garbage. Uh, he's a douchebag. Uh, but some are calling him a hero. And here's some of the people, uh, Paul, that are, you know, so uh, it, listen to this here. CNN's Mark, again, you know the cast of characters here. Mark Hurtland, a retired U.S. Army officer, though, is why I bring his name up. He said General Milley took some very prudent measures. So this is another uh, mental case here. Uh, another one says, uh, 
what he did was ensure the guardrails were in place. This was still the CNN guy. So I give him high marks for this based on what he described in the book. And then Barnacle, you know, the Barnacle dude with the CNB and C. Uh, it's all rubbish, all these programs are. This is just common sense. Well, yeah, in your freaking world, it's common sense because you use the Constitution to wipe your ass uh, when you go. The, so naturally, it's common sense for you. He says it's called public safety. And certainly you can make a strong case during the conclusion of the former guy's presidency. There were a lot of people, both in the House and the Senate, on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, worried specifically about where what about what we've just been talking about here for the last few minutes. OK, Paul. So there were a ton more comments, but just to get to a couple of three here, uh, you, you know, to put it in context, what do you make of this with Millie, the pushback from the left always that you see and the nature of this story? How significant is it? I think we need to start out with with the fact that what we're dealing so far with is primarily rumor. I'm reminded of Thomas Jefferson's uh, quote, which says it's a melancholy truth that a suppression of the freedom of press could no more completely deprive the nation of its benefit than is done by its abandoned prostitution to falsehood. What we have is a, a an excerpt from a book. We have no context. We have no evidence. We have a book from, again, Bob Woodward. He's written several very good books. He's brought out a lot of very yellow journalism. And based on what these two men have put in a book that we haven't even read yet, people are going apoplectic about what was going on. But it also brings up in my mind another important understanding of what is commonly referred to as the swamp. See, what you have is you have the president of the United States, Article 2 of the Constitution says all executive power is vested in a president of the United States. Yet what we see is much of the executive branch overruling the president because of their opinion of him. Now, again, this is nothing new. We, we act like this, this partisan divide is something, you know, it's new and it's crazy. It's not. George Washington warned us about the spirit of party back with his farewell address in 1796. He said the alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries have perpetuated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism, which is exactly what we're seeing here. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is the party of who did it. If it was your, your party guy, that's okay. If it's the opposing party guy, he's insane. It happens from both sides. It happens from all the different parties. But what's most interesting is you get a little farther down in his address and you say the disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this despotism to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. Now, can you really think of a better description of what's been happening over the last five, six years where the party dissension has gotten so sharp, where everybody has focused their, their love or their hate on a single individual to the point where you have a general with decades of experience either believes or is willing to fabricate the idea that he thinks the commander in chief is crazy enough to start a nuclear war without provocation 
yet not go through the constitutional process to say, hey, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Pence, um, Trump is nuts. He's going to start a war. You need to enact the 25th Amendment to stop him. No, no, no. We're going to bypass the Constitution if this reporting is true. That, that's the big caveat. We're going to bypass the Constitution. We're going to bypass the, the chain of command. I know what's better than everybody else. Therefore, it's my responsibility to protect us from my commander in chief. That to me is the is the the biggest issue, because, you know, a lot of people have referred to this as treason. And I think that is questionable. There need to be a lot more facts. I was going to ask you, what should happen to Millie? Well, the Constitution defines treason in Article 3, Section 3. It says treason against the United States shall consist only of levying war against them or in adhering to the enemies, giving them aid and comfort. So in order for this to be treason, we're not he, you know, we can't say that General Milley declared war or, or um, levied war against the United States. But we have, but we do look at China. Many people in America look at China as an enemy. We're, not a de- we're not declared in war. There are not active hostilities. So there's a really questionable standpoint to that. What we do have, though, is insurrection. We have a, a leading general usurping the civilian leadership over the military making military decisions outside, not simply the chain of command, Mm -hmm. but outside of the civilian leadership, which is a a key function of the presidency. The reason the president cannot be in the military is because we do not allow the military to be led by the military. They must be led by civilians. Well, in an odd sort of way, too, uh, wouldn't you also say when you talk about giving aid and comfort, isn't that sort of what those phone calls were about to China? That was kind of aid and comfort, wasn't it? But the question is, are they an enemy? And you ask, you know, you ask 100 people, you get 200 Mm -hmm. answers Mm -hmm. about whether or not China is actually an enemy. Again, we have no declared war with them. We have no active hostilities with them. So whether or not China is an enemy is not has not been determined via a governmental or legal process. It's merely people's opinions. Okay. All right. Now, you mentioned George Washington. Tim, I want to get your opinion on you mentioned George Washington and warning about the political parties. Let me say this. I'm thinking back as a young man through the many years that I had followed politics. And I think back to the Reagan years when I was uh, just a lad, real, real young. And uh, but I remember in studying that and I remember the political parties that we have always fought. We have always hated each other. We've always been divided. But quite frankly, I would argue with people that sometimes say, well, we, and I always really chuckle or, you know, uh, spit up either one uh, when people say, well, we got to unite the country. This country was never designed to be united. We're always supposed to we're supposed to be divided, number one. I mean, and the only time we really uh, back to a 9-11 affair or something that's a cataclysmic sort of event. Well, then, you know, we sort of kiss up and make up for a few minutes. But we sort of are set that way. And back to George Washington's warning on the political parties. None of that surprises me. I suspect that's the way this thing was supposed to be. Tim, push back on that or not. Tell me, is there any truth to that? Oh, it's a 100% true statement. Uh, America was never going to be united. When you look at the Federalists versus the Mm Anti-Federalists, you know, the Alexander Hamilton versus the Thomas Jefferson, 
America was a compromise. It was two factions with two different opinions, one wanting the federal government to rule supreme and would have instituted the king if Hamilton could have, and the other wanting smaller states to have an equal vote and an equal voice for their own protection against an out-of-control federal government. And that's why I tell everybody on Constitution Days, you need to research the anti-federalists because conservatives are more anti-federalists than they are federalists. And we were never united. We're always going to have separate opinions. What the difference is in the nation is if we have separate opinions based on what politics is supposed to do or what politics believes they're supposed to do. Mm. When and, and that's where libertarians come into the fact where they say, you know, all these social aspects, marriage, everything else isn't within government purview. And if government stayed out of some of these issues, we would be less divided, would we? We would handle things more on a local level, but the fights would still be going on. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's, it's just asking people, do you want the fights to happen within your city, your community, your state, or do you want it to happen on the federal level? And certain things were meant to happen within the states because different states have different cultures and different beliefs. And New York is going to believe differently than New Mexico or Texas or Utah or Montana. California is going to be different than Florida. It's it's okay. Well, California is allowed to institute certain rules and the federal government should not interfere. The problem with America today and the problem George Washington warned us about is when the federal government oversteps its bounds and believes that it is a better decision maker in the personal lives of people than themselves, than their states, than their locally elected officials. And that's where we're at today. We're at a point today where the federal government believes that they can tell you what to do and you have no say. And the Constitution is our protection against that. And it's the biggest weapon that can be used against an overreaching government. And it's the weapon they haven't educated generations of children with the knowledge that this was a compact and not a contract and that we don't have to just buy into what the federal government says. Mm, Wow. Uh, Well, we are talking to Tim Alders here and Paul Engel, uh, Constitution Day, September 17th every year. It's been happening since 1870. I still like my idea, which I said at the top of the program, about making this a big deal holiday. And I really mean this. This is something I'd like to see us really push for. I have never heard anybody say it, but I'm saying it here today to you. This should be one of the biggest holidays of our existence here in this country. Just like we say July 4th is our independence and all of that. And of course, we have Christmas for the Christian community and we have other you know holidays through the year that are important. But now they're doing a lot of these other holidays uh, for different uh, political um, benefits. Now you see a lot of those coming up. And in fact, we don't even really celebrate President's Day anymore. That's been shifted around. And, uh, you know, you get the picture. But I think this one is significant, Constitution Day. And it really, I'll tell you, if we could do that, the beautiful thing about it is we would remind Americans, young and old alike, of the significance and importance of this document and what our framers 
put together the vision of this great, great experiment called the United States of America. Other thing I want to remind you quickly to go to HealthyCell.com uh, to get, uh, it, well, to get renewed. I've been taking it for over three and a half years and my fellow Americans, there's nothing like this product. In fact, it's a good thing my, you know, immune system was what it was, or I might have really taken a hit when I got COVID. Uh, but I, I've been taking, it, instead of the old pills, where you take the old pills, remember the vitamins that you've been taking? Well, those are out the window now. Now you take a gel and you can take it right out of the package and, you know, just swallow a whole or put it on yogurt or ice cream or in water or whatever. Uh, and it's it's absolutely amazing. This company is remarkable, Healthy Cell. They have other products like REM Sleep, help you sleep at night. Focus. Oh, God, we can all use some of that. It helps our brain power out, right? So you got that. And of course, the daily regiment of Healthy Cell is so important. Uh, they have another one, Immune Super Boost, which is really uh, echinacea, zinc, AD. It's like a COVID care package. That order is, that product is really hot right now. And it's actually even on back order, but you can order all this. You get 20% off your first order uh, on any of the Healthy Cell products. Click the banner ad back at uh, americaoutloud.com or just go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud. I really believe in this company and this product. Uh, so uh, we're gonna pause here. We'll be back with a whole lot more programming. By the way, if I haven't done this already, Happy Constitution Day, my fellow Americans. We'll see you on the flip side on The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. 
find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. All right, let's talk about the vaccination mandate. Uh, the question I see, so I see the piece uh, that Alan Dershowitz uh, put out there. And uh, is Biden's vaccination mandate constitutional? Well, you remember the old show, the game show? Well, I can answer that in four syllables, Your Honor. <laughs> what are they exactly? No, no, and no, no. Okay, that's probably more than four. But uh, so, uh, so Biden has been doing all these executive orders. Again, this is what the pre- it's become really a king within the presidency, basically. And it's not just him. It's been going on for a long time. And I know Paul will agree with that as well, because both sides of the aisle are as corrupt as they could be. Uh, you know, um, the, the Marxist left. Well, that's just not our, 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 our brand of flavor here in, in our country, of course. Um, so what they're doing here, uh, he says uh, uh, with Dershowitz, his article here or whatever it is, uh, President Joe Biden's issued a series of executive orders without express legislative authority. <gasps> like that's a new moment in our country. They've been doing this stuff for decades, these bozos. Uh, mandate and vaccination or weekly testing for a significant percentage of American workers. Here is my conclusion. It depends. So, so Paul, he says it depends. He gives three examples, and let me give them to you, and then I'm going to cut you loose here. He says it depends on the following three questions, all raised by Biden's actions. Number one, does the federal, as distinguished from state government, have jurisdiction over COVID and vaccine mandates? Okay, it's number one. Number two, if the federal government has or shares such jurisdiction, may it constitutionally require, even with exceptions, workers to be vaccinated against their will or as a condition of their employment. Wow. And three, if the feds has the constitutional power to mandate such vaccinations, can that order be made by the executive as distinguished from the legislative branch of the federal government? Unless all three questions are answered in the affirmative, well, then President Biden's orders would not pass the test of constitution constitutionality. Paul, what do you say to that? Well, you know, I've read several of the works of, of Mr. Dershowitz, and he's a lawyer. Now, I, I've been asking lawyers for years when they studied the law, when they studied in law school, did they study the constitution or constitutional law? And in all the years I've asked this, I've had one lawyer tell me they actually studied the constitution, not what they call constitutional law, which is a judge's opinion about the constitution. And Mr. Dershowitz's response, his three levels of test prove that he's not dealing with the constitution. He's dealing with lawyers. Now there's really, there, there are, Three questions, but Mr. Dershowitz got them all wrong. Hmm. The first and only the first question that has to be answered is this a power delegated to the United States? If the answer is no, nothing else matters. All right, so let's back up a little bit. Uh, in Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Papers number 78, there is no position which depends on clearer principle than that every act of a delegated authority, contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised is void. Every governmental act is a delegated authority. We create governments, right? Remember the declaration, governments are instituted among men to protect our rights. They receive their just powers from the consent of the governed. 
If it has not been delegated, that act is void. And by the way, it's not just Alexander Hamilton. The Supreme Court in the infamous Marbury versus Madison case said, uh, uh, certainly all those who framed written constitutions contemplate them as forming the fundamental and paramount law of the nation. And consequently, the theory of every such government must be that an act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is void. Well, if it's true for the legislature, isn't it also true for the executive and for the judiciary? So these actions are void. They're, they're empty. They're meaningless. They're, they're the emperor has no clothes. Biden's walking around as if he has the power to do this when he doesn't. He actually doesn't. And until people look at him and say, excuse me, sir, you're naked. You are not clothed with that power. He will continue to do this. Well, that's exactly it. They always extend themselves. It's just like the Supreme Court does the same thing. And they're never called out. They do what the hell they want to do, Paul. And there's really no way to fix that unless the people rise. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. All right. So we've talked about the fact that the people are generally ignorant about the Constitution. And more than a few studies show this. But that's because we've expected the government to teach the people that the government is servants of the people. That doesn't happen. That's right. John Jay said that every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. Now, why is that important? Because if the constitution says that if a power is not delegated to the United States, they don't have it, the 10th amendment, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? The constitution's ink on parchment. It's not going to jump up out of its case and start dope slapping people If they don't follow it, the Constitution is the legal authority for the American people and the states to look at the federal government and say, no, we did not authorize this. We did not delegate this. This is not a just power. We will not comply. And uh, in the case of the states, if you try to force our citizens to comply with an illegal and void order, we will defend ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we, these documents, really, isn't it kind of uh, uh, maybe a good way to say it, Paul? They they allow us, I mean, they're really designed for us to hold the federal government and all of these uh, operatives in check. Isn't that worth us? I mean, these are for us to, these, these are our documents. They belong to, in fact, they start with we the people. It doesn't say we the federal government or we the political operatives or we the bureaucracy. It doesn't say that. Yes, we the people ordained and established a constitution for the United States of America. We did throw through did so through our states, since the states are the ones that actually ratified yeah. the, the constitution. But we created the federal government, we define its just powers, we commissioned them into their offices, we define those the tenor of their those commissions. We define this. The Constitution, as I said, it's our legal authority to say no. Mm-hmm. It is the supreme law of the land. No act of Congress can supersede the Constitution. No act of a state can supersede the, the Constitution of the United States. And because the people are universally ignorant of this, we, we, we're stuck. And, yep. and here's the really sad part. Mm-hmm. The states are so ignorant of this that, what, 26, 27 states are are talking about suing the federal government against the uh, suing over these these executive orders. Now, understand, you have the states which help create the federal government Mm -hmm. that are now going to beg the federal government to protect them from the federal government. With the courts, right, right. Right? Rather than saying, okay, we'll petition, we want your opinion, but the answer is, 
we as the parties of the Constitution, now that the, if there's a if there truly is a majority of states willing to do this, this is what the James Madison and Thomas Jefferson were right, talking about. But who about would do this? Who would do this? Who who would? You, you, I hear you, but you know, forget the fact we're all brainwashed about this. But who the hell would do it? Who would be the one? Well, if, if, again, if, if the state, if there are if there are 26 states or more right. that recognize the illegality of this, right. all they have to do, again, preferably through their legislature, say, no, we do not recognize this. This is not part of the compact. This is not the um, uh, th- we did not agree to this. We, the states would effectively nullify. They would have to push back, but they're not pushing back. They're falling in line. And, you know, we can't even organize a, a three person parade, uh, you know, with these states, let alone trying to get them all together. That's part of the problem here is the organization of the pushback. Uh, and, and this is it's a good segue to get to the anti-federalists in just a moment here. And again, we're not anti-government people. Please understand a lot of liberals or Marxists run around with their hair on fire thinking we're, oh, my God, you're you're anti. It's not about being anti. We created the freaking government. Uh, but but people have it backwards. Go ahead. Quick. You know, Abraham Lincoln said the people are the rightful ma- masters of both sure. Congresses and courts, sure. not to overturn the Constitution, but to overturn the men who pervert. I love that quote. Every time and there's I a hear whole that. lot of perverting going on. Yeah, <laughs> I love those are words, music to my ears. When I, every time I hear that, I I just get a jump there. Tim, uh, you know, we get we're getting on a daily. I can't even put it in context for you. And listeners know this because I tell them on the Q and A shows and others we do. But we are getting so much communication here in the network. I I've never seen anything like it with the questions, the comments. Uh, the people that are outraged and they're really looking for help. They don't know who to turn to uh, with their liberties being uh, mandated to them from the federal government. You will get a vaccine. You will wear your mask. You will shut the hell up. You will move along. Uh, people are becoming unglued. And so but how do you know, back to the organization of all this, what are your ideas on or, you know, that we can push back on the feds? You brought up a good point on the Constitution Day, Malcolm. When the mandate to celebrate Constitution Day came out, it came out with a law that states that any organization that receives federal funding, including the Department of Education, has to have a program on September 17th, Mm. and if it falls on a Saturday or Sunday the week prior, teaching the U.S. Constitution. That includes the U.S. military, that includes every state and federal employee, have to read and understand and learn the Constitution. We have not done that for decades because they don't want people to know the Constitution. They don't want what Paul Engel said, people to understand that we don't have to go to the courts because the courts have violated the Constitution. We just have to say no. And we have to say no on the local and state level. The problem is where you said the states don't have the will because they receive that federal money. Well, they're not receiving federal money. They're receiving our money back to us. (laughs) Uh, You know, all the federal government does is print obsolete money or take money from people in the states and then promise it back. Mm -hmm. I can see Texas saying no. I can see Florida saying no. You know, but Utah, supposedly a conservative state, will fall in line. Yeah, most and of them will the fall problem, in line. 
the problem is the people will not rise up in mass because we're yeah. fearful of yeah. a government. Yep, yep. And nobody wants to be caught out there with no clothes on again. Uh, Tim, there's a site, the, the Bill of Rights Institute. Let me read this one. Uh, I want to focus right now with, with you and Paul, both on the Federalist versus Anti-Federalist. If there's anything somebody has got from these, okay, the current news stories, we've already shared the vaccine thing and General Milley and all that, okay. I mean, but it's a drip, drip, drip. Every day and every hour of the day, they're violating our constitution, our rights. It's become a laughing stock. We've become a laughing stock and no longer the showcase uh, or that shining city on a hill anymore. And so here's uh, here, here's the way they describe the Federalist versus Anti-Federalist. One of the many points of contention between Federalists who advocated a strong national government and anti-federalists who wanted power to remain with state and local governments was the Constitution's lack of a Bill of Rights that would place specific limits on government power. The Federalists argued that the Constitution did not need a Bill of Rights because the people and the states kept any powers not given to the federal government, okay? The anti-federalists held that a Bill of Rights was necessary to safeguard the, our individual liberty. Now, Tim, the Bill of Rights is used all the time as, it, you know, it, we talk about it a lot, the amendments and the importance of what's important to all of us, our, our daily lives. But the federal government, I mean, right now, they're spending money like we've never, ever seen. I mean, they are I mean, we thought we were bankrupt when Obama was in office in the last, you know, period there. So if you just go back 10 years, we were talking about this. We're be getting beyond the bankrupt point now. And, you know, we're, it's not going to be sustainable. And the dollar is no, gonna, no longer going to be the currency that the world wants anymore. We're, we're coming into some new uh, uncharted territories that I talked to economists 10, 15 years ago. So the government is a runaway train. The people are back here and don't really pay attention and they give the feds all the rope enough to hang themselves. And the feds are hanging themselves, but they're taking us all with them. So speak, give, give us each a, a, a minute or two, a couple of minutes on the Federalist versus Anti-Federalist. To me, this is one of the biggest sticking points of our country right now is states' rights. We got to bring the power back to the states and tell the federal government to shut the hell up. Well, you know, the liberals want to make Alexander Hamilton a hero. Alexander Hamilton was the delegate from New York. And Alexander Hamilton, if he could have had his way, would have appointed a king. And he wanted, because New York, even in those days, had the largest population. And he wanted the population to dictate. He wanted a true democracy. Alexander Hamilton wanted the majority of the people to overshadow the minority of the people. And you had people like um, Mason and Jefferson who said, no, small states should have an equal say in their own rights, their own protections, because they have different cultures, different religions. And in order to make the compromise, the Bill of Rights came about. And you have to understand that the Bill of Rights originally started with the states proposing their own Bill of Rights, their own, what they thought should be in it. And there was over 139, I think is the exact number, um, amendments proposed. And they narrowed it down to 10 because nobody thought the, the people of the United States would ever be so dumb as to give away protected rights. The Constitution is what chains government, not people. And if you really look at it from the eyes of the founding fathers and the anti federalists, our government has not has violated 
their authority decades ago and really shouldn't be in power anymore because they have violated the compact, the agreement that they will not overstep their bounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason that the anti-federalists feared uh, a, a majority of the people making decisions and it's the media and the Democrats and the liberals and the people in charge of government behind the scenes want to institute this mandate based on fear. And they don't believe that the 100 million who don't want this vaccine have a voice because they have 100 million plus one. Yeah, yeah. And so so their yeah. voice outshadows everybody else. That's not what the anti-federalist wants, and that's not how the Constitution was ratified. Uh, Paul, give me a, a final statement. Well, the interesting thing from my standpoint is – uh, while Tim's argument was correct about the, the positions of the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, the Federalists also said, listen, if we actually list rights in the Constitution, somebody will come along that says we have the, the authority to regulate them because they appear in the Constitution. And what's interesting is both the Federalists and Anti-Federalists have been proven right over history. It doesn't matter whether it's written down or not. There will always be people that want to take power. And there are people who say, oh, it's in the Constitution. Therefore, we can regulate it. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue, the, the, the thing that the, the I don't believe either the Federalist or the Anti-Federalist thought would happen is that the American people would allow their employees in the national government to run amok. See, we forget that we, we are a republic. We hire people to represent us, to exercise our authority yep. in our name, and we send them to Washington to do that job. They're and then they employees. tell us what to do, Paul. <laughs> exactly. We, we we stopped treating them like employees. We started treating them uh, yeah. like our masters. I mean, you think about it. What's wrong with that picture? We're the only operation or organization in the history of whatever and humankind here that, uh, you know, the employee becomes the boss, becomes the employer. But it is ass backwards, Paul, huh? Definitely. And that's yeah, and that, but that's what comes from not only a lack of education, but a yeah. twisted education, which is yeah. why I keep telling people it's not hard. 30 minutes, you can read the Constitution, the original document for yourself in 30 minutes. And there are plenty of places to get your questions answered when they come up. Uh, you know, I do them uh, on, on our my own question and yep. answer, but there are yep. plenty of places you can go get those questions answered. That's right. what we need. All right. So Constitution Day again. So now, you know, September 17th every year. It's been happening uh, since what? 1870. Uh, Tim uh, mentioned to me uh, coming on the broadcast today. And that's a long time, people, certainly before our lifetime. Again, I, I, you know, if there, I, I'm really feeling now we need to create a movement. I, I feel in my soul here somehow we've got to create a enforce this. We really do need I, I feel like however I can help put this together, we need to now create a movement to force this day to become a national holiday. It should be one of the biggest days of our existence here in this country. If we could just accomplish that right now from this conversation, that would be huge, as as Donald Trump would say, huge, right, with the emphasis of the huge. Uh, but that's what we need, people. And and then we, because it will remind everybody, even our kids and our schooling and the importance of our this constitution, this document, uh, there's going to have to be some things that are going to have to happen here. Uh, we're, we're definitely starting to have a slow bake here or a slow boil, as the frog would say. Uh, we're, we're, we're definitely in that uh, 
that that period of time now. So that's all I can say to you. Or if we don't, my fellow Americans, we will go down as the most screwed up generation in the history of the United States of America. That will be labeled the era that we lived in, where we gave up all the rights and the country, and it all went to hell in a handbag. And that would be it. And at 245 years now, headed to a milestone of, what, 250 years shortly, uh, you know, it's uh, historically, we're at a tipping point. We're really at a tipping point. It's going to take another big moment of our country if you're going to come anywhere close to another 250 years. Don't know what that looks like, but I'm just putting it out there, period. Uh, so listen, a couple things here. Paul Engel, I mean, these two guys, I love both of these guys, Paul Engel, Tim Alders, Paul Engel every day, the Constitution study, 4 p.m., he is one of the brightest and, and, and just amazing. You want to learn some things and get educated in real terms about today's news stories? Tune in to Paul at 4 p.m. He does videos for the network. He's a writer. He does, does a lot of stuff, but he, he's terrific. Uh, his book, The Constitution Study, is in the America Out Loud bookstore. That link is right at americaoutloud.com, or it's on the right sidebar. Just come down a little bit. You'll see that. And the book is also, uh, we've got it featured on the front page right now with Constitution Day. Uh, so go pick up his book, The Constitution Study, and learn from it. Uh, also, I want to talk about Tim Alders, 7 p.m. every day, The Disciples of Liberty. Um, you, you'll hear Tim or his uh, one of his other uh, hosts there, Brian Hyde, who's been tremendous and has been in for Tim as well. And he, he also is just a terrific guy. Love, love Brian. And um, now uh, Tim's book, The Origins of Liberty, Origins of Liberty, that is also in our bookstore and on the front page. And you can see both of these guys bleed red, white, and blue. Uh, their books, all of their, their background, um, everything trying to teach this generation what the story is. So those books, please get them in the bookstore at, or at Amazon or any bookstore for that matter, or you'll see the links right on the front page there. However you get them, just get them, please, and, and read the books and study. Tell people about this. Again, you'll, today, if you're hearing this on the 17th, you'll, you'll hear a special show from Paul, a special show from Tim. And uh, let's, let's keep marching on here, but create these movements and, uh, and take the power back. We the people, right? We the people. It is always we the people. I've said this to you from day one. I'm going to keep saying it. Thank you, my fellow Americans, for being with me on the mission here. It is always good to have your company here. It's time to get involved, read the Constitution, and get loud.